Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our May 2017 quiz. Ten terrific cases, and may I say it's hard to believe it's May. Anyway, let's look at the cases, and let's see how good you're going to do. This first case, in some ways, is straightforward. Um, I said that the patient had abdominal pain, and what's the best diagnosis? When you look at the axial and coronal images, you see a mass in the right adrenal gland, and you can see the mass is vascular. The contralateral left adrenal gland looks good. What can we be discussing here? Well, you could think about an adenoma, but adenomas would enhance to this degree and there's essential calcification. You could be thinking about hemorrhage, but it doesn't have the look of adrenal hemorrhage. It's more homogeneous or sometimes it's less homogeneous, but not the peripheral with essential calcification. And paraganglioma is simply a pheochromocytoma extraadrenal, and this is an adrenal mass. When you look at it, it comes off the adrenal, it's vascular, and this was a pheochromocytoma. Now, you're going to say the patient didn't have a history of hypertension, but the patient was hypertensive. We found that later. And remember, we've been making the point that we do see more pheochromocytomas at Hopkins in patients where it's an incidental finding than in cases where we're referred patient. This is an interesting case. This patient had severe back pain and had a ciliac plexus block and now came back with back pain. And you could see there's inflammation by the pancreas, there's air in the retroperitoneum. What is the main finding? Well, it's not a perforated duodenum, though I have to admit I couldn't exclude a perforated duodenum with air and inflammation. It's not exactly peritonitis, so there is inflammation. And yes, there's mild pancreatitis, but the air is not really pancreatitis. These are the changes post celiac plexus neurolysis. You're in doing numerous injections and you can see air and local inflammation, which is actually bleeding post-op. It's kind of a borderline thing in the sense, is this a bit much for the procedure? Usually we don't scan the patient, so it's hard to tell, but this was the post-procedure and the patient was fine by the next day. Now, in this patient with a cardiac CTA as part of a screening study, what's the best diagnosis? And it's hard, I will admit, before we even do the case, when I'm giving you only two images. So the two images I gave you, the two images show, image on your left, right coronary artery rising off the right cusp, and the image on the right shows the left main coronary artery literally coming off that uh, right cusp. It's not an occluded LED, and it's not an anomalous LED alone, that's not the best answer, but it is an anomalous vessel because the LED is, or the left main is coming off the uh, patient's right coronary. It's surely not normal, but what we're dealing with here is a single coronary artery with prepulmonic left coronary artery. And you can see how the left coronary tracts anteriorly. This is not a malignant variation. It's an unusual variation. You would have to worry this patient gets plaque in that single vessel. It can be very problematic, but a very interesting and very nice example. This patient had abdominal pain, and I'm asking what the best diagnosis is. When you look at the liver, there are multiple vascular lesions, and it could be hepatoma, and it could be cholangiocarcinoma, and it could be carcinoid tumor, but most likely not a gist tumor. But then you look at the abdomen further and you see a mass in the root of the mesentery. There's desmoplastic reaction. This was a carcinoid tumor. Remember, carcinoid tumors, hepatomas, metastatic renal cells all commonly give vascular 
liver lesions, and this was just one of those very nice examples. This patient had some vague symptoms, and you see the CT scan, and I'm just showing this case to show you you need to be very careful. Could you call this an IPMN? I guess when you look at the first lesion, it might be, though, the wall is thickened. When you see a thickened wall, that's problematic. It's not an MCN. MCNs, the wall is usually thin as well, but that's usually middle-aged female, and it's more toward the body of the pancreas. Pseudocyst alone would worry me because I see a dilated duct, and I see several low-density areas within the gland. And adenocarcinoma, I guess, is the answer. Now, you say, well, there's a cystic lesion there. And in this case, the patient had an adenoCA arising in an IPMN. Again, what gives it away is a soft tissue density, the mass effect. That would not be the case with a simple IPMN. This is an interesting case. I've been carrying this case around for a bit. Changes in the spleen in this patient with cirrhosis are, you see a big spleen, you see multiple tiny aneurysms. That's pretty impressive. We talk about splenic artery aneurysms, but it's usually extrasplenic by the hilum or such. These are intrasplenic, and they're multiple small 2-3 millimeter aneurysms. I guess you could consider a vasculitis. Marfan's has no reason to have this. This is not splenosis. But probably the best answer is splenic artery aneurysms due to portal hypertension. Now, it's something we think about in terms of splenic vein enlargement, all sorts of collateral vessels, but you never think about this process of these small aneurysms. And I've now seen a number of cases. Now, I've not seen any case rupture or anything else, but it's something indeed to take a look at. Now, here I'm asking you what the most likely diagnosis is. Two things. One, large mass tail of pancreas. Two, lesion right lobe of liver, which becomes a bit more isodense. Now, the pancreatic mass has some minimal vascularity. It's not hypodense as much as we typically see with adenocarcinoma. I don't see a renal mass, so metastatic renal cell to pancreas without a renal mass is not going to occur. And lymphoma, again, lymphoma can theoretically infiltrate the pancreas, but with the vascular liver lesions, I'm kind of hard-pressed. Now, the last choice is neuroendocrine tumor. Now, neuroendocrine tumors are typically very vascular. This is somewhat vascular relative to what you would see in an adenocarcinoma, but not markedly hypervascular. So one thing to remember, and this case emphasizes, is that not every neuroendocrine tumor is hypervascular. So if you see a lesion, you see stipple calcifications, liver lesions that match, you better think about that possibility. Least likely diagnosis in this case. Now, what am I showing you? There's a mass in the mesentery seen on coronal and MIP. The mass is densely calcified. Best diagnosis, carcinoid tumor, no problem, right? But sclerosing mesenteritis can have mass effect, inflamed mesentery, and it calcifies. We could have treated lymphoma, could have been a larger mass, maybe a 12 centimeter mass, now shrank all the way down. That's um, stretching things a bit. Sclerosing mesenteritis is a good possibility, mesenteric mass with calcification. Treated lymphoma, treated lymphoma can calcify, they're usually now the desmoplastic reaction. But the answer of the least likely diagnosis is desmoid tumors. The mesenteric masses rarely calcified and don't cause desmoplastic reactions. They can obstruct vasculature later on when they get large, but that's not the case here.
Another patient, the most likely diagnosis, this patient with abdominal pain is. Now, you have to read the case and look at the images. If I was reading this case, I'm looking at the answer and say it's thickened, there's some high-density material, probably blood. I would say it's a gastric adenocarcinoma. Now, you could say it's a gist tumor, but they're usually exophytic or intraluminal with mass effect. This doesn't have this. And to say there's a benign gastric ulcer, it might be. But how do you know for sure there's the few thickening of the antrum, there's some blood within the stomach, it's thickened. I would worry about a carcinoma. But the best answer is it's a gastric ulcer, because whether it's benign or malignant, there is a gastric ulcer present. Eventually, this patient did have endoscopy with biopsy, and as much as I thought this was a carcinoma, this was actually a benign gastric ulcer. There was no H. pylori present. And it makes the point that sometimes you can't be certain. Sometimes it's obvious it's a tumor with an ulcer. Sometimes you see an ulcer, and to say the ulcer is benign is a tough call. And here the walls thickened. I would have thought for sure it was a carcinoma, but they're positive it's not. This case is kind of a very straightforward case. Patient fell on the shoulder. You see a posterior dislocation. Not very tricky. Interesting, you can see on the anterior view, it almost looks like it's not dislocated until you realize how far back uh, the humeral head is in relationship to the glenoid. There's no glenoid fracture. You need to look carefully. There's no humeral fracture. Um, there's no scapular fracture. Just a very nice example of a posterior shoulder dislocation. So with that, I've given you 10 terrific cases. I hope you have a great month. Hope you get the cases right. I hope to see you soon. Be good. Bye. Okay. It's like a couple errors. <laughs> just don't know. It's all the same case. Yeah. I just need to no, stitch it together. Yeah. I think, you, I think it's all the same case. So okay. And the number 10 case, just use the second part of the case. Just delete the first. You don't need to. Okay. Just delete the first part. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking of. I was thinking of the case. Um, all right. You said it's right, and then I started talking. And you got